Hey, welcome in to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. It's Jeremiah Johnson alongside Dr. R.B. Maynard, verse-by-verse edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Our last episode, we started diving into the life of Christ. Some of you were just getting so bored of the Old Testament that we had to make a change, right, Dr. R.B. Maynard? We had to. Hey, yep. Verse by verse, we uh, on the Grace One Daily podcast trying to just encourage you guys get into the Word each and every day. So, um, Doctor R. B. Maynard, one item of note: uh, I forgot to mention that you're really popular with the young people. Looking at some of the analytics of the Grace Point Daily podcast, you are most popular with our audience of 23 to seven years, 23 to 27 years old. So, wow, that's that's amazing. There you go. I figured nobody'd listen to me <laughs> unless they were over eighty. You just thought it was a bunch of old ladies. Yeah, I know. I'm sure oh, we have really? a few that know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just kidding. What is old? It's 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 all it's all mental. Age is just a number. It's how you feel. So Well, then I must be about nine. Yeah, right. <laughs> you gotta keep moving, okay? Health tip health tip of the day is keep moving. I don't care what age you are. I was talking about this about someone the other day. I'm like you have to keep moving. You have to keep walking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. physically active. Uh, as a pastor who, you know, sometimes does funerals or interacts with mm-hmm. people at the latter stages of life, very simple uh, health tip. The ones that do the best at every age of the life, ed- every age mm-hmm. of life mm-hmm. are the ones that move the most right? and are active people. So there yep. you go. Well, I'm active, but I think I've been too active and wore it all out. That's yeah. maybe... Problem, yep. but so anyway, anyway, you can you can uh, that's why you can listen to the Grace One Daily podcast while you're at the gym, on the treadmill, mm-hmm. on your bicycle, whatever it might be. You don't have to sit there and listen to it. You can be active. Uh, I'm one of those kind of people. When I'm moving, listening to a podcast, I'm having a good time. Yeah. So verse by verse, we're getting into the word life of Christ and uh, direct us from there. Yep. Okay. Well, we talked about last week that that we're doing this chronologically. So just because we started. Uh, New Testament, we're not starting with Matthew, we're actually starting with Luke, which part of this is is pre-Christ, uh, pre-birth, so we're not starting at the birth, we're starting back uh, really talking about uh, what happened before he was born. So uh, if, you're, if you're reading, and we won't read through all of it, but um, Matthew 1 is the ancestry of Joseph, and Luke 3 is the ancestry yeah, ancestry of Mary, and so uh, those you can you know you can read through. We were talking about uh, last time about uh, how some things seem like they're not relative, uh, that they don't really mean anything. But genealogies were really important in the Bible. Uh, they wanted to know uh, where this person came from, who their parents were, who their grandparents were, uh, and so a lot of those things are even though some of the names don't mean anything to you, they are. Um, uh, they're in there to show that these people were real people. They really existed. They were descendants of this person, and and what line of of family they came through? Were they priests? Were they Levites? Were they uh, the line of David, the lineage of David? Those kind of things. And so, so ancestry is not a. Uh, it may be a little boring to read through, but sometimes you'll read those things and find uh, names that are like, wow, I didn't know they were part of that family, that they descended from that family. So uh, so we're really starting in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So of the daughters of Aaron just has to do with being 
uh, in the lineage of, of priest. In other words, it came from a long line of priests. A lot of times uh, wasn't that way in your family, but I've heard pastors and evangelists, whatever, that came in and said, you know, I come from a long line of mm-hmm. missionaries. I come from a long line of pastors or evangelists or whatever. Uh, I, I come from not a long line of teachers or preachers, but I come from a long line of, of Christian men and women. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I don't know past my grandparents. I barely knew my grandparents, but, but I come from that line of good, good blood, I guess. Uh, yeah. Somebody used to say, you come from good stock. That was kind of the, yep. the phrase. But, um, and it was important for a priest to marry a priestess. So when it's talking about their uh, lineage, again, during that time, that was an important thing. It would be a prestigious thing, I guess, in our day that, you know, a rich person would marry a rich person, not, you know, a rich person marrying a poor person and all they're just trying to get your money and those kind of things. So it was even important back in that time. But, um, and it's a, a phrase that uh, it's talking about, uh, the phrase actually means an excellent woman. Uh, she, in other words, she deserves to marry a priest. This, this woman, is uh, she's kept her vows. She's been a, a great uh, lady up to this point, and she deserves, kind of like we would say in our time, she deserves to marry a good man. Mm-hmm. You know, she deserves to have a good man in her life or, or a good woman in their life, but... Uh, Zacharias, he's not a high priest. He is a priest, but he's not going to be what we would call the high priest who would go into the Holy of Holies, but he is a priest during that time. Uh, he's been a priest his whole life, and so uh, we and you know we have that information. We know that information just historically. Um, and and when, uh, when all this happens, you're chosen by lot to do uh, some of the... Uh, duties in the temple. So verse 6 says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord, blameless. And righteousness just means it has to do with in right standing. And I just wrote the question, Do I walk in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord? And and there was a phrase someplace in something I, I read. Of course, we ask ourselves that question, but then it says, that even Satan is obliged so to walk. Now, I know that sounds weird that he's walking in the commands and ordinances, but he is because he can't do anything to me that the Lord doesn't allow. We have that story of Job. Mm-hmm. He had to come to the Lord and say, would you allow me to do such and so? And then he would say, the Lord would say, you can do that, but you can't kill him. You know, You can do this, but you can't kill him. So, so even Satan himself is somewhat obliged. We think that it's just about, um, oh, well, if I do what God says, then I'm going to be righteous and I'm going to get all these blessings and all that. But some things we just do because he says so, not because we really like. I mean, you know, there's sin that he says is sin. And sometimes we might think, man, it sure would be fun to do that, mm-hmm. to participate in that. But he just says, you know, sometimes I have to say, he just said not to, so that's really the only reason I need is just because he said not to. And so when it talks about walking in the ordinances, the commandments, the ordinances of the Lord, and then it calls them uh, blameless, and that phrase blameless does not mean that we are guiltless, 
It just means we're blameless. I am guilty of sin, but through his blood, through his forgiveness, he doesn't hold me accountable for those. When I ask for forgiveness, it's wiped away. I get a clean slate. You know, uh, Kelly Stevens used to use the illustration when we would go to Willowcrest. You know, you put the, the blackboard up there, and you write down the sins and all these things I've done wrong, and it doesn't just, you know, like put a line through it when you ask for forgiveness. It marks it off. It's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that when it talks about them being uh, blameless, it doesn't mean that they were perfect and never committed a sin. Yeah. It just means they're not held accountable once you confess and ask for forgiveness. Uh, that's the idea. We were just talking about the abuse of, of grace, and that's what happens so many times is people are, uh, they think that they can do whatever they want to, and it doesn't matter anymore because I said a prayer one time. Yeah. And so uh, so anyway, they are, um, uh, uh, we are blameless but not guiltless. Verse 7, and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well-stricken in years, and we know, you know, biblically, and, and it probably carries to today, but biblically, it was like a curse on a woman. Yeah, I mean, people would actually think that she had done something wrong, or that the man, one or the other, but mostly the woman got blamed, and it's like she didn't. I mean, physically, she didn't have anything to do with that. But they were they made it a spiritual issue if you couldn't have a baby. Mm. And we know today that there are people who <laughs> still do that same yeah. thing. Well, I wonder wonder what she she must have done something wrong or you mm-hmm. know, I mean I don't know how many times I've heard of a woman who couldn't have a baby and she would even think that. Well, what am I you know, yeah. would I not be a good mother? Why won't the Lord give me a baby? Yeah. You know. And so um, we came from, we lived in Utah, pastor there, which is Mormon country, AKA the mm-hmm. LDS church. We had four kids and they looked at us like we were barren sometimes like, Oh yeah. Are you having issues? You only right. have four kids. Right. What's so. the problem? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it was, I mean, when you talk about barrenness in the Bible, yeah. it was, it was a bad thing. It wasn't just like, Oh, well too bad. You can't have a child. But, and in their case, we just read the verse that said they were, uh, righteous, and they followed the commands and the ordinances. And so this was not something that had mm-hmm. happened to them because they were bad people. And and that's what we, you know, I guess if if you ever have a uh, lady or a man who thinks that it's a, a curse from God that they can't have children, go back and look at these. These are people who were named, I mean, they were prominent enough to be named in the Bible, to be called righteous, to be called guiltless, mm-hmm. All of these things, but they couldn't have a, a yeah. child. So, did you? Did they have a, a, a guesstimate on what her age was? They said advanced in well, years. The Bible, or they were talking. Uh, there's one place that says they believed it was the same thing as Abraham and Sarah. That it was he was 99 and she was 89. Wow. So, uh, my wa- only reason I bring that up, my wife was joking last night, and she saw. I don't know if it was online Facebook or if it was a. Uh, some news video of some sort just celebrating this mother of she was 52 years old mm-hmm. and having a child but they were acting like that was extremely extremely yeah. old you yeah. know which in one sense I, I mean it's I, I don't know if you want to have kids if you're 52 at that point mm-hmm. but it's not that big a deal but they were just 
you know, talking like, yeah. whoa, this is the impossible. So, yeah. Well, I've got it written down somewhere. I don't know where I come to it, but anyway, talking about, and it was, I think the oldest to ever have a baby was in her 60s. And so uh, it is and in possible, the world, but yeah. Well, I, we covered on, I think the Guinness Book World Records was an Indian woman that was like in her 80s, 82, oh, really? 86 yeah. around there. Yeah. That would be awkward, but. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, that is the, the story where you hear people say, I like grandkids so much, I wish I'd have just skipped my kids and had grandkids, you know. So yeah. I guess she's having her own grandkids. <laughs> we're well, great grandkids. We're, we're not. <laughs> I guess we don't want to get too detailed, but like my wife and I are basically like, well, no, really the reality is if a woman is still um, going through, you know, uh, a monthly thing mm-hmm. that women go through, a woman can still have the baby. That's kind yeah. of the rule, not just yeah. like no matter what age you are. So, you know. Yeah. But anyway. We're encouraging all the uh, yeah. 50-year-old ladies or whatever. Right. We need to grow the church. Don't stop, ladies. You, you old know. ladies have some babies and bring, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Um but this, uh, I'm going to read a verse here that sounds contradictory to the Scripture, and we'll talk about it here. But if you go clear back to Deuteronomy 7:14, it says, You will be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor any of your livestock without young. So this is another one of those Scriptures that you could say, well, wait a minute. I mean, I thought he promised that these people would not be childless and they're cattle would have offspring and all that but uh, there was again some place in my studies there the exceptions that they made for sometimes God made rules but we all know that God said things and then he said unless you do this or unless this happened there were promises with um, exceptions I suppose and so Part of this, it says, one of the exceptions was for God to make himself known, which if you've read this story, uh, if an 89-year-old woman is having a baby, you know, you're going to say, that's a miracle. That's a way of God making himself known to show extraordinary conception. So he did this with her. He did this with Mary. I mean, Mary becomes part of this. This is a lead-in, talking about a little, little uh, can't even talk talking about Elizabeth. This is a lead-in to the story of Mary. Um, and and again, 99 and 89, that's beyond anything that was normal. I don't know if they kept records back then, but they had to, to think this is crazy, there's no way. But they could look back on Abraham and Sarah and say, well, hey, God did it then, and I guess you could look back on that now and still say, Hey, with a miracle from God, sure, it could happen again. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I don't want it to happen in my family. Uh, Stella and I talk about that now. It's like, how do people that are, you know, there's a lot of people in our age who are raising their grandkids because the the kids wouldn't take care of their kids, and so they, they're raising them. Oh, I know. And it's like, man, I just yeah. can't imagine having babies and kids running around the house right now, you know, and I, and you do what you have to do. Right. I mean, I understand that, but, um, but let alone actually having a baby at that kind of an age, but, um, I can't, I, well, let me, let me try and settle the, uh, argument here. Mm-hmm. Anatolia Verda Delia, a 101 year old Italian woman has given birth to a nine pound baby. You're kidding. After a controversial ovary transplant. So that, mm. that wasn't natural though, right? So mm. Mm. Uh, Wow. 
Yeah, maybe the maybe my numbers were just natural child. I don't know, but seventy-four year old woman reportedly gives birth to twins. Okay, but uh, mm-hmm. the the top uh, Google search so the oldest mother is Maria Del Carmen Bosada Laura, uh, sixty-six years, three hundred fifty-eight mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So That's somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. <laughs> old anyway, but yeah. uh, old for that. Let's put it that way. Yes. But. Verse 8, and it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, and so that all that's talking about is um, he, he had uh, duties, and those duties are going to be chosen by lot. In other words, his duties are not the same every year. It would be, I don't know that much about the Catholic religion. I know you were raised kind of under the Catholic thing, but yep. it, would, it would be kind of like, uh, starting out as an altar boy, or whatever, and you know, probably if you're gonna if you're gonna be a priest, I don't know, is that the way it works? If you're gonna be a priest, you probably were an I altar boy at some point. You think it's uh, uh, yeah, well? I remember like catechism. You had, after you completed mm-hmm. that, then that's the only time I was an altar boy. But yeah, I don't know how you would get to the uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you could just hood or whatever. How that. Go works. study to be a priest, or if you have to come up, yeah. quote through the ranks, kind of thing. But, um, but anyway, um, it, it was it was part of uh, he had been a priest pretty much his whole life, and then the duties of the priest are going to be mm-hmm. uh, drawn by lot. So, in other words, in his case, you would have to know how to perform all of the duties, and not just say, "Well, I'm a, you know, I'm an altar boy," and twenty five years later, I'm an altar boy. Yeah. You know, I mean. <laughs> You kind of had to learn all of the, the things. but So verse 9 says, According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So uh, the, the duties were you, you could be uh, the one that, that kills the sacrifice, the one that sprinkles the blood, the one that sweeps the inner altar, the ones that cleans the candlesticks, and there's one that carries the parts of the uh, the sacrifice. So his, his duty would have been by lot. And, and in the Bible, I know a lot of people say, well, they, you know, they threw dice to make decisions and what we would call dice, you know, casting the lot or whatever. I don't know exactly how it worked. I don't know if it was like, um, you know, rocks. And if you picked the black rock, then you were the, burn the incense, and then they put mm-hmm. them all back in the... I mean, I don't know how it worked, but basically they would uh, they would go around the room and draw... The, the high priest would draw the lot out, and so in essence what he would say is he would come to you and say, okay, uh, Jeremiah, we are drawing for the, um, uh, the incense. And... Draw that out. Well, let me back up. He would say, we're drawing for the incense, and then they would draw the lots and say, you drew the, the number or whatever it was to do the incense, so that will be your duty. Somebody else's duty will be to kill the animal. And so they basically went around the room to the priest and assigned those things. So if you had uh, 30 priests and six things for them to do, then some of them are not going to be able to to do anything. And so they, they really say about Zacharias that uh, he had waited maybe years 
to be able to do something. In other words, he's a priest, but he hasn't been able to do one of these duties at the sacrifice because his name never came up in the lot. Mm. And he, so, he was the Nacho Libre of yeah. priests. You're always <laughs> complaining about how you never get to do any priestly duties. <laughs> there so you go. here you go. It's your turn to do some priestly duties. Yeah, we'll have that clip for you uh, coming right up. But, um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, just talking about it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office, uh, in his course, according to the custom of the priest office, his lot was to burn incense. And so uh, they, they've they established that just by uh, the casting of the lot. Now, the whole issue of casting lots or whatever in the Bible is not the same thing as, and, and we're not going to get into all that, but it wasn't the same thing as what we call throwing out a fleece. You know, there were times in the Bible that, that somebody said, Lord, if this is your will, let such and so happen. Now, I've prayed that way at different times. I don't believe that's the way to pray every time. I don't believe it's like, well, Lord, if you want me to read my Bible today, mm-hmm. then, you know, when I go in the office, it'll be open. I yeah. mean, <laughs> that's, you know, that's not what we're talking about here, but there was a there was a very strong belief in that time that God controlled the lot. And so uh, the casting of lots was not like, well, who gets lucky and gets to do this or that. This was something anytime the lots were cast in the Bible, it was after uh, prayer and after they were asking for God's direction, and that was how they got God's direction in a lot of different ways. That way, if you if you cast lots, I mean, I guess somebody could say, well, the only reason you got that, you just got lucky. But if you really mm-hmm. believed that during that time, that that was God's direction in that, and then that had been prayed over, then you would believe then that that was mm-hmm. truly God's will. And and it was used in, in the New Testament. I mean, it was used... Uh, for choosing disciples sometimes, different things like that, they cast the lot. Yeah. And uh, I think, wasn't it in the story of Jonah that they drew lots or something to, mm-hmm. because they were trying to establish who was <laughs> responsible for, yeah. you know? And so it, it's not a it's not an excuse for us to go out and throw the dice, <laughs> if you would, for uh, a chance to win something, or it's not the same thing as that. This was a godly... Yeah recognized um, activity that they did to establish God's will. And the Assemblies of God I'm part of, uh, what they do. So, like, there's districts that oversee churches for a state mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, a national office, blah, blah, blah. Right. And there's some of those positions, and they get voted on. And I right. I know they, they don't call it casting lots, but I, I've heard them multiple times say, well, we're voting, and our vote is mm-hmm. um, the, the sign that this individual is, who God wants to be in that position. Right, right. We're going to assume that our voting is, is in a sense, casting mm-hmm. a vote to acknowledge what right. God, the, the person God wants in this position. And we're going to assume that's God's will. Right. Well, we do the same so thing. Gonna, Electing a pastor to yeah. a church is, and I don't know, I don't like the system, but I'm not sure how else, you know, it could be done. You that, t- take all those resumes and, yeah, <laughs> jumble them up and then just draw one out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, throw throw them all yes, up in the I air. Won. The first one that hits the ground <laughs> is the you know. So 
I'm not sure what the change would be, but I, I heard uh, uh, Henry Blackaby one time I, I taught out of a, a series called Experiencing God, mm-hmm. and one of the things he talked about in there was kind of not necessarily the casting of the lot, but it all kind of tied together and talking about making decisions and voting on things. And so like voting on a pastor, and there's 100 people, 100 members that vote, and 95 say yes and 5 say no. And they asked him, they said, well, what percentage do you have to have to say that's God's will? Well, he, he didn't really answer that with a definite number, but it's like I am probably not going to take a church if I get 51%. Mm-hmm. Right. He said at some point, <laughs> and probably depending on the, the issue, you would have to say um, if it was 95%, you and I both would wonder who the five were that, that didn't want you here. I mean, mm-hmm. so, you know, that would be, you would just have to say uh, to explain it, if you didn't get 100%, you would yep. have to say, well, 5% of the people were not prayed up and listening to God's voice. I mean, or they're just like me who on those voting things are just a very, uh, just do it just for fun. So like right. I, every time our district votes, I always vote for random people and <laughs> other person just, just for sheer fun. I voted Kelly uh-huh. Stevens for, um, uh, sheriff, County Sheriff, our yeah. last mm-hmm. voting, right? I'm sure I'm the only one yeah. who voted. So, you know, they're like one ride in, yeah. we have one ride in for Kelly Stevens. Okay. Yeah. Who's there? Yeah, yeah, they probably knew who it was. So I there's mean. always a segment like me who just mm-hmm. do that just to me. All right, right. So, but anyway, this whole thing was done by casting the lot. Let's one more verse and we'll, we'll wind start it up writing here. LMA in every voting. Uh huh. There now. you go. President. Yep. What? <laughs> it says, and uh, verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And so this is. Uh, they're they're all he's in the holy place, not in the holy of holies, uh, but he's in the holy place. Uh, and there's a there's a bell that's sounded to let the people know that he's going in, because this is a uh, I tried to use the illustration. It's the same illustration. If we were doing this today, it would be uh, the people or our, our congregation here is all gathered in the parking lot. And you have to go into the church to make sure that, you know, to do the priestly duties before we can come in or whatever. So we would all stand outside. A bell would sound at, you know, 1030 on Sunday morning to let everyone know so that everyone would know you were going in, which means that's a time that we are all to be in prayer, those standing out. It's not like we're all just waiting out there for you know, for you to go in and do your duties and come back out. I mean, it's a it's a solemn time. These things that were done that sound so so much ritual are rich in uh, tradition and and that they were meaningful to them. the The Jews actually have, and I I always forget the word, but they actually have a word that has to do with doing things without um, uh, sincerity. So, you know, if somebody says, well, all they do is read their prayer book and, you know, like that's not a big deal because they're just reading their prayers. But it's a, there's actually a name for uh, what you would do 
to do that without sincerity is a sin. I mean, okay. in that sense. And so all of these things, but but they would back up away from the, the uh, temple, and uh, it's, it's a time that they're sol- solemn, they're waiting for him to come back out. He will come back out. The, the idea behind it is that he comes back out after he performs his duty and prays a blessing over the people. And you, you know, you do that almost every service that we get ready to leave. You, you know, I bless your people. Um, it, it's kind of that same sense. Of course, they had more of a, you know, of a ritual and a thing that they would say, in other words, to bless the people. Yep. I mean, there was a program and, and a way to do it. And so, so uh, the significance of that is not really in what we've talked about today, but you kind of see it as we, as we move on and those people are waiting out there and the things begin to happen. I mean, there's a crowd around that are seeing all of these miracles and, and strange things going on. This is not like some little story that got told by Zacharias and his wife were standing there where people could say, oh, they just, you know, they made that up. Yeah. I mean, there were people <laughs> there that could physically see the expressions on their face, uh, uh, you know, not to spoil the story, but the fact that he's not going to be able to speak, you know, all of those things going on. And so, so anyway, again, as we, as we go through things, I know we're out of the Old Testament, but until, until Jesus dies, you're still under the law. So, uh, you know, you have to remember yeah. that these things don't, haven't changed yet. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not going to change for 33 more years after this before the law is no longer the the governing. So all of these things that they're doing, we're like, well, this is supposed to be the life of Christ. That's not Old Testament, but we're still you're still right. in the Old yep. Testament till he dies. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And so uh so you have to look at these things in that perspective that yep. we're still under Old Testament law. So, so anyway, we'll wind that up again today. So the life of Christ, we're on a new journey. Dr. R.B. Maynard, in an appropriate time to start talking about the life of Christ because yes. we're heading into the Christmas season here. Yes. Well, that's pretty yes. scary. So it's going to be November, then December. But uh, hey, guys, we appreciate you joining us each and every episode for the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Like, share, subscribe. We'll talk to you guys next time.